Magnum P.I. Season 2, Episode 25, Tropical Madness. I'm going to start this episode with a side note. I watch these old shows on Amazon, and after a little preview of what's to come in the episode, the intro starts. Amazon has this function where a little button pops up here and says, Skip Intro, if you want to fast forward through the music. When we started this episode, my husband turned to me and said, Who would want to skip the intro? I nodded in agreement like, Yeah, it's the best part. Say what you will about Magnum P.I. as a show. The theme song is Balls to the Walls. So much so, that for days after watching an episode, we find ourselves humming the tune in the shower, or incorporating the dog's name into the rhythm guitar riff. Floyd, 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 Floyd. I know, it's dumb. It's just a thing that makes us feel good. And these days, we need all the dumb fun we can get. Now, on with the show. Opening scene. We are shown an idyllic, verdant town off in the distance, church bells ringing. The words, Leeds, England, flash across the screen. It dissolves to a grade-side service at a cemetery, with a number of pale, tweed-laden mourners to reinforce that this is in fact England. The service ends, and everyone pats the shoulder of a young woman as they leave. She's finally approached by a distinguished gent, and he asks if she's Jennifer. She's Jenny, she says, as frumpy and cable-knit as all get-out. And does she know him? This man replies, I should have been your father. Hmm. Awkward or just English? New scene. It's one year later. Thanks, screen graphics. And we again dissolve to a shot of the King Kamehameha Club. Higgins is patrolling the bar area, making sure people aren't having too much fun. And whom should he happen by but Jenny? Her hair is styled now, and she's wearing makeup, though she is dressed in a high frilly collar and long sleeves. You can take the girl out of England. In her best damsel-in-distress voice, she asks Higgins to please say something to that man who's been staring at her and making her uncomfortable. She points to Magnum, who's sitting a few tables away, goofing off with Rick and T.C. Higgins, only too happy to verbally bitch-slap Magnum in public, descends on the guise and tells Magnum of the complaint lodged against him. Magnum is shocked and annoyed because for once, he wasn't openly ogling at a pretty woman. But, since she is pretty, he figures he should at least introduce himself and apologize for any mistaken lechery. He lays it on as thick as his mustache, but Jenny isn't biting. Tour of the club? No. Introduce you around? No. She dismisses him and goes back to her book and hot tea. Magnum retreats back to his table to lick his wounds, and Rick and T.C. tease him for getting shot down. Oh god, oh god, that was insensitive of me. I just remembered they were all shot down in choppers in Vietnam. Magnum brushes them off, saying she clearly has psychological problems. Funny, 
Higgins thought she seemed quite well-adjusted. Magnum grumples into his beer as Higgins goes back to talk to Jenny, and the two begin chatting away amiably, which ticks Magnum off even more. Rick and TC decide to make it all the more interesting by betting on who will get a date with Jenny first, Magnum or Higgins. New scene. Magnum is waiting outside the King Kamehameha Club for the valet to bring around his Ferrari. Hashtag first world problems. And his voiceover assures us that he feels better now that he's had a swim, and it helped him forget about the beautiful but oh-so-hostile girl. Hashtag bullshit misogyny. It just so happens that Jenny is also waiting for her car. He attempts to engage her again, and she gives him the cold shoulder again. He looks dejected, but his voiceover again assures us he believes he's making progress with Jenny and that she's just shy. Hashtag things a stalker would say. As Jenny drives off, Magnum notices a car following her. His private investigator senses start to tingle, and so he tails the tailor. Jenny pulls into a gas station, followed by the parade of tailing cars. The guys tailing Jenny get out of their car and sneak around back to gang up on her. They are, and I'm not kidding, a sumo wrestler and a little person, both dressed in matching three-piece suits. Magnum zips around back and confronts them, and a fight ensues. Magnum tries to punch the sumo wrestler, but it's like hitting a brick wall. Then the sumo wrestler puts Magnum in a gas hohiri hold. I looked it up. To which Magnum responds by grabbing a grease gun. No name for that move in Japanese. I looked that up too. Magnum gets knocked out and lands next to the Ferrari, still holding the grease gun, which is now spurting grease all over him and the car. The sumo wrestler and the little person speed off, and Jenny is long gone. New scene. Back at the Robin Masters estate, Higgins is out front, tending his flowers, when Magnum pulls in, in his befouled Ferrari. Higgins spouts off, furious at the state of the car, while Magnum tries to explain what happened to him. Higgins won't listen, so Magnum gets out of the car. We see he's clad in only his underwear. Which, honestly, isn't any more revealing than his swim trunks in a rare show of sexual parody. He explains to Higgins he had to use his clothes to clean the windshield. The shirt I get, but the pants? Just then, who should pull up but Jenny? Higgins is thrilled to see her, and she him. Magnum tries to ask her about the men following her, but she claims she didn't notice anything untoward on her drive home. When Magnum reveals he was beaten up by a sumo wrestler and a little person, Higgins loses all interest in the story, and Magnum drives off, screaming and raving, in his underwear. New scene. Magnum clears his head with another swim, and as he comes out of the water, his voiceover says, Rick ran down the plates of that car following Jenny, and it was stolen. So, who was following her and why? He meets Jenny on the grounds and attempts to engage her in conversation again. She's frosty to him, despite the Hawaiian sun. She cuts him off and says Higgins has already told her of his compulsion to hit on women. Hm. 
He says he just wants to know why someone's following her, and he can help if she needs it. She looks worried, but she turns tail and goes back to the house. New scene. Magnum comes into the main house to ask Higgins for some red wine from the cellar, only to find Higgins in a bow tie and dress pants practicing the Roomba. The dance, not the vacuum cleaner. Magnum is highly amused. He helps Higgins put on his cummerbund and dinner jacket, what are friends for after all, and Higgins says he's taking Jenny as his guest to the Commodore's Ball at the Yacht Club. You mean this is a date, Magnum asks? Higgins, ever the gentleman and never missing an opportunity to rub Magnum's face in it, merely smirks. Miss Chapman has revealed she finds a man in a dinner jacket irresistible. Well, she is British. And he finishes with a don't-wait-up speech, leaving Magnum gobsmacked. New scene. At the King Kamehameha Club, Magnum broods over his beer, while Rick and TC settle up their bet about Higgins getting a date with Jenny before Magnum. It just doesn't make sense, Magnum says. TC, enjoying his winnings, takes the piss out of Magnum some more by suggesting maybe she didn't like his mustache. Magnum bristles, <laughs> no pun intended, insulting his mustache has gone too far, and I kind of have to agree. The phone at the bar rings. It's for Magnum. Another British voice says, if he wants to know the truth about Jenny Chapman, meet him at the Valley of the Temples. Ooh. New scene. Magnum pulls up outside the Valley of the Temples, a gorgeous, Japanese pagoda and garden set against the steep-sided volcanic mountains. Man, Hawaii is beautiful. The place is closed, and against his better judgment, he goes prowling the grounds looking for his mysterious caller. Suddenly, who should come running up the stairs at him but the little person, flipping a jackknife? And just like the velociraptors in Jurassic Park, while Magnum's attention is on the little person, the sumo wrestler comes in from the side. Magnum kicks the knife out of the one guy's hand, and as the sumo wrestler closes in and pulls his gun, Magnum picks up the little person and throws him at the sumo wrestler. Oh, jeez. Magnum runs like hell back to the car. New scene. Back from the Commodore's ball, Higgins and Jenny pull up in front of the house where Jenny is staying. Higgins tells the story of his service in Africa during World War II, and she begs him to go on. He was the only one of his group left alive after an encounter with Rommel. Higgy is going deep, and Jenny seems genuinely impressed with him. When Higgins gets out of the car to go open her door, she has a distinctly conflicted look on her face. At the door to the house, they thank each other for a wonderful time, and Higgins kisses her on the forehead. Weird. She calls him back and says, He's such a gentleman, but gentlemen can be boring. And she smooches him properly. And I do mean properly. They are both English, after all. She goes inside and is called into the living room by the guy from the funeral, the one who said he should have been her father. He's pacing, wearing a brocade smoking jacket while carrying a large file folder, as one does. 
He tells a weary-looking Jenny that it's okay if she's having second thoughts about their plan. Then it's revealed that Mr. Smoking Jacket had once been in love with Jenny's mother during the war, and it was Higgins, Higgins, who kept them apart all those years ago. Mr. Smoking Jacket has brought Jenny in on his revenge plan against Higgins to avenge her late mother. But Jenny says she's having a hard time believing Higgins is as bad as Mr. Smoking Jacket says. New Scene Higgins returns to the estate to find Magnum waiting in his study, wanting to have a talk. Magnum explains about the mysterious phone call, luring him out to the Valley of the Temples, and what happened there. He presses Higgins as to what he really knows about Jenny. Higgins laughs it off, as if this whole story with the sumo wrestler and the little person was the height of lunacy, which it is. But Magnum gets real with Higgins like after-school special reel. Why would a beautiful, desirable woman be after him? Higgins, fresh from his prudent lip-lock with Jenny, responds with a swagger, The answer is obvious, old man. Logic is irrelevant. Simply tropical madness. Tropical madness? Higgins, I do not think it means what you think it means. New scene. Magnum cases the house where Jenny is staying. He jumps the fence and pokes around inside. He finds the folder Mr. Smoking Jacket was carrying around earlier and discovers it's a dossier on Higgins. Back at the estate, when Magnum presents this info to Higgins, he's furious that Magnum would go sniffing around his dear Jenny. And speak of the devil, Jenny runs up from the beach and Magnum wastes no time and minces no words in asking Jenny what she's up to. She dissolves and admits, yes, she has been after something. Her dear old uncle had been working on a history of the very regiment Higgins was in in the war, and when he died, she took it upon herself to finish his research and his book. She sidled up to Higgins, because she was sure he was too stoic to tell her his real experiences if she had been honest with him. Magnum doesn't buy this bull honky, but Smitten Higgins falls for it hook, line, and sinker. New scene. Magnum, swimming again, realizes he's being manipulated, just like Higgins, and decides it's time to resort to desperate measures to flush out the truth. He happens upon Jenny shooting skeet on the estate, and he gets mean with her, tossing her skeet shotgun aside and tries to get her to admit to the subterfuge. True to form, his grand plan involves kissing her, and Higgins arrives just in time to witness this. He's apoplectic, also true to form, and his chivalry is so riled up he actually punches Magnum, who, let's be honest, staggers back a few steps out of politeness. Jenny, also true to form, crumbles into Higgins' arms. She reveals, after their torrid, lukewarm British embrace, that she wants to be with him, but doesn't feel comfortable with that animal magnum on the grounds. If only there were some way they could be together without him there. Dot, dot, dot. New scene. 
cut to Higgins throwing Magnum out on his ear. Later, Higgins, with the estate all to himself, is preparing to get his getting on on. He's wearing a cravat, and he keeps practicing the line, My darling, you look ravishing. A little champagne? Ending with a throaty chuckle? Good for you, Higgy. Meanwhile, Magnum has snuck back onto the grounds via the beach. Back at Higgins' Layfest Palace, the doorbell rings, and he tells Zeus and Apollo, the dogs, to chill, that it's only Miss Chapman. She has her own gate key. Higgins answers the door, but, uh uh-oh, it's T.C. T.C. makes himself comfortable and plants a listening device under the table, under the guise of retrieving all the things Magnum has borrowed from him over the years, now that he's moved out. Higgins can't get rid of this cock block fast enough. He's flustered and ushers T.C. to the door where Jenny is standing, dressed like a wedding cake, not literally. Higgins is so unnerved, he blurts out his ravishing champagne line with a maniacal cackle instead of the suavite he'd been practicing earlier. Outside, Magnum, Rick, and TC are in TC's van with listening equipment, monitoring the situation. Rick says he can hear them both loud and clear. TC adds, I bet it's boring. Now that was funny. Higgins goes to put the dogs in the kitchen, and Jenny sneaks over to the gate controller and presses a button which opens the gate, and another van drives in. Higgins comes back and tells Jenny he doesn't normally believe in sentimental gush, but the past few days with her have been wonderful. Phew, what smut. Then the doorbell rings, and Higgins, thinking it's Magnum and his band of fools, Storm's over, ready to bust a cravat in their ass. It's the sumo wrestler and the little person. And since Magnum had mentioned them before, Higgins still thinks this is part of Magnum's stupid plan. Then, Mr. Smoking Jacket comes in, and Higgins gets confused and tells Jenny to press the alarm button. But she doesn't move, and he realizes too late she's in on it. She tells Higgins that she's just getting back at him for her mother and Mr. Smoking Jacket, for what he did to them in Egypt during the war. But Mr. Smoking Jacket then admits that that story was also a ruse. He, sumo wrestler, and the little person are actually here to steal Robin Master's priceless art collection. Jenny is tied up with Higgins. Just then... Larry, Moe, and Curly come crashing through the French doors, effortless, and draw weapons and give chase to the interlopers. New scene. The gang holds everyone down until the police get there. Magnum tells Higgins he needs to go to Jenny, who's outside waiting to turn herself in. He tells Higgins she really didn't know what was going on, and he thinks Jenny really did care for him. Higgins finds Jenny and tells her he forgives her, and that T.C. will take her on his chopper to safety, and she need not get involved with the police. She has to go. She will only break his heart in the end. And then, they share a truly passionate kiss. Hmm. 
Higgins must be a quarter Scottish or something. Magnum looks on, supportive, not creepy, and tells Higgins his letting go of Jenny was a little bit of all right. To which Higgins responds in his characteristic, self-effacing way, All right, I was bloody marvelous. And scene. Hey, thanks for listening to the Magnum Recap. Let me know if you liked it and you want to hear more. Find us on Facebook by searching The Secret Life of Death. On Twitter at TSLOD Podcast or on Instagram at The Secret Life of Death Podcast. Hang in there, everyone. We'll get through this one magnum at a time.